CEOs always used to rely on the CFO as the truth seeker. So the CFOs had a truth seeker role. But in addition, the CEOs are now tasking the CFO and relying the CFOs for coordination across the executives. So, you know, making sure that the top team is aligned on the biggest strategic initiatives and ideas. It's not only on the CEO's shoulder, it relies on the CFO. Being an educator for the board, I think that's a role where CEOs increasingly work with CFOs to work with their board, sometimes more challenging board members to say, look, how are we ex- executing against our strategy and CFO being independent can be a, a great partner for the CEO. From McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Ankur Agrawal, a partner based in our New York office who leads our CFO practice in the Americas. As Ankur mentioned, CFO responsibilities are expanding and one area that's becoming increasingly top of mind is talent management and development. Ankur sat down with me following the recent MIT Sloan CFO Summit in Boston to talk about how finance leaders can build trusting relationships with fellow executives, how they should approach reallocation of talent, and the importance of developing and applying soft skills. Hi, Ankur. It's great to have you here today. To kick us off, MIT recently held its 20th annual CFO Summit, and you spoke on a number of different topics at the summit. I was hoping today you could talk our listeners through the two sessions you participated in and maybe your take on the summit overall. Yeah, thanks for the question, Sean. I I thought that the MIT CFO Forum was really strong showing first and foremost, lots of CFOs and finance executives. And in my particular panel, one was around CFO impact, what attributes drive CFO impact, And I was a panelist on the other one where what's going to be the talent imperative for finance function. And both are related. And honestly, it came through not only in my panels, but also throughout the conference. This notion about soft skills and how CFOs need softer skills, both to navigate the current uh, environment of uncertainty, but also their role as the key counselor to the CEOs. I think that that became quite apparent. There was lively debate around how do you really become such a leader and how do you engender it as part of your own professional development? And every speaker and every participant I spoke to spoke a lot about soft skills just being the core skill uh, of a CFO going forward. Was there anything that surprised you at the summit in terms of the sessions that you saw or any comments or debates, for example? Yeah, Sean, I think one, there is still a lot of debate around this topic of sustainability and diametrically opposite views among CFOs around doing good because, you know, sustainability is about doing good, but still a concern whether we are doing too much of check the box exercise in sustainability and whether it is truly impacting the purpose for which it is intended for. The sharpness of the debate surprised me. The second, I think, was this theme around how tough the context is in which the CFOs are are operating their businesses in. Again, we were expecting a lot of debate and discussion, at least I was, on uncertainty in the context. But how much the CFOs are engrossed in the day-to-day management of the business, both short-term and largely short-term, I think took me by a surprise. Thanks, Ankur. So let's talk a little bit more about the talent imperative of the finance function and this notion of soft skills. I believe you opened up your panel that you led with a discussion of soft skills and their importance. 
is um, is that more that one needs to have the technical skills to be able to be a CFO, but the truly distinctive CFOs are the ones that are going above and beyond with soft skills? Or are soft skills now really like a core requirement of the role as well? I think, Sean, a bit of both. I think, you know, numbers and data and analysis is both a table stakes, but also the anchor by which you can then springboard and drive a lot of discussions. So uh, good CFOs tend to really use data and analysis to tell stories. And telling the stories and driving the right discussion is quite, quite important. And on the softer side of the equation, it's all about influencing. And how do you really influence the key executives, be unbiased? And a lot of times the panelists use the word independence and authentic. So how do you be an independent, authentic uh, driver of the debate in your respective companies. And I, I even asked one of the panelists whether, how do you handle this with the CEOs? And and I think both the soft skills and hard skills are quite important in doing just that by building a trust-based relationships with all the peer leaders in the company and, and driving change. Ankur, the, um, the CFO also plays a role in helping manage the overall performance of the organization from a you know planning and analysis perspective. Can you talk a little bit about the role of the CFO in helping develop and execute the people strategy overall? I think it starts with setting a very clear goal and, and ambition for the finance function and also for the overall enterprise. And you do it collectively with other leaders of the business. And once you do that, what typically we call a three to five year target or the annual target, then you work backwards and define the right metrics. And more than defining the right metrics on where to measure and how to measure, it's about the debate you want to have with the metrics so that it, it does not become a process in itself but really a means to an end in, in surfacing the right ideas to push the executives where they really are, are, are falling behind. But more importantly, understand areas where you then need to resource differently in the organization to move faster, right? So it's, it's both the what and the how, which then drives the right performance management. How would you say CFOs get good at this, right? Many of them come up through the ranks. They start in financial planning and analysis, and they might be former CPAs, but how do they build those soft skills? How do they build them? How do they get them? In your experience with clients, what are some of the ways that you see as most effectively moving up that learning curve? Yeah, I think it starts, Sean, with self-awareness, where mm -hmm. you, you as a leader, having a clear set of or clear perspective of what you're good at and what you're not so good at, right? And it's not that you need to then suddenly start getting good at all the things which you're not supposed to be good at. It's about surrounding yourself with mentors and other executives from where you can learn and see them in action. So it's, it's, it's almost by learning by doing some mm -hmm. of those, uh, you know, soft roles which require a lot more stretch skills. And also sometimes it may just mean that you need to do a different role to get more acquainted in, in exercising that informal influencing. So it's a combination of self-awareness, apprenticeship, learning by doing, and then taking roles different to what your core strengths are and then throwing yourself in, in some un unfamiliar territory and being very deliberate about your professional journey uh, and mm. realizing the importance of informal skills in your personal growth. And um, are there any top informal skills that you see them going after first? 
I think first and foremost is storytelling. Telling stories with numbers and also personal anecdotes and and really inspiring people both with the data and analysis, but also your own personal experiences. I think that sort of rises to the top. The second is what we call synthesis and critical analysis. It's taking numbers and data and saying, what are the two or three things which I really want to push the executives on and, and really drive the right sort of debate in the room. I think that's sort of the second, I would say, uh, softer skill. And third is just, you know, motivating and inspiring people around you. And there's huge power in in that. Uh, and finance has historically been less about motivation and inspiration. I think their traditional role has been more of a command and control and driving compliance. I think that change in mindset becomes quite huge, right? So storytelling inspiring colleagues and, and peers, and then engendering the right debate. I think those would, those would be the top three. It's also generally recognized that the scope of the CFO role continues to expand. So building on your point about the importance of the soft skills, being a good storyteller, being an inspiring leader, um, can you just comment on the evolution of the CFO's role and and how that's played a role in this need for softer skills, more varied skills beyond the core finance expertise? Yeah. So Sean, we run a survey every year on the role and remit of the CFO as an individual and as a functional leader. And what we have found consistently that the role and responsibility has continued to expand. So from core finance roles, which are treasury, tax, financial planning, now it has expanded to other areas, whether it is strategy, investor relations, sometimes even other functions like procurement, IT, and M&A, right? So you can see already there are six or seven roles which are which report directly, and, and there are many others which are indirectly influenced by the finance leader. So if you think of this large breadth of their own functional responsibilities, and I'm not even including external communications, investor relations, those roles... That requires exercising softer skills, not only within the organization, but being the brand ambassador of the company outside the organization, telling the story about the value creation of what the company is trying to do and what the leadership team is stewarding the organization towards, that becomes quite critical. So I think the softer skills are the critical enabler by which you can actually play such a broad role. Thanks, Ankur. Can you comment a little bit on the evolution of the CFO's relationship with the CEO and other executives in the C-suite as the CFO's role has continued to evolve and expand? And specifically, how has the expanding role of the CFO helped the CEO in their role? Yeah, I think CEOs always used to rely on the CFO. And as one of the panelists at the forum said, as the truth seeker. So the CFOs had a truth seeker role, first and foremost, and the CEOs used to run their ideas past the CFOs as, you know, as the litmus test of is an idea a good idea or a bad idea. That, I think, role continues to remain quite central. But in addition, the CEOs are now tasking the CFO and relying the CFOs for coordination across the executives making sure that the top team is aligned on the biggest strategic initiatives and ideas. It's not only on the CEO's shoulder, it relies on the CFO. Being an educator for the board, I think that's a role where CEOs increasingly work with CFOs 
to work with their board, sometimes more challenging board members to say, look, how are we ex- executing against our strategy? And CFO being independent can be a, a great partner for the CEO. For external communication and talking to external stakeholders, even large customers, CEOs rely on CFOs to be the partner with their sales teams, closing large deals, talking about value creation and value addition as part of large customer orders. So you name it, right? So from a truth seeker to collaborator, coordinator, and external communicator, I think the CEOs rely on the CFO to be their right-hand person or or even a left-hand person, right? Based on the skill set of the CEO himself. Okay, let's let's uh, change gears back to this notion of resource reallocation. The CFO obviously plays a very important role in resource reallocation, basically putting your money where your strategy is. Can you comment a little bit about the importance of those soft skills in helping actually execute a true reallocation approach? How do the CEOs that really distinguish themselves as good resource reallocators do it? And what role does the soft skill play there? Yeah, it's a great, great question, Sean. I would say, look, it first starts with having the right data and facts, right? So going back to the hard skills, mm-hmm. actually, they matter matter a lot for resource allocation. Because if you don't have the facts right, you'll get into endless debates about where is the money going, right? So right. having the facts right, the right data and analysis matters. But that perhaps will not lead to resource reallocation itself. I think you re- we are all human beings after all, including all the business leaders, product leaders, um, and, and you almost create a dynamic of haves and have-nots by definition by resource reallocation. So having the right debate and being in the room and asking the right questions and, and making sure everybody leaves the room with a good understanding of why we are allocating resources, I think relies on this aspect of what I said, synthesis and, and and drawing out the right sort of discussion questions in a room, right? So I think that really matters. Second, I think it also relies on the CFO's ability to build personal relationships and, and trust with the executives, which really make sure that they all feel and everybody feels part of the team versus an individual and everybody is rowing in the same direction and their personal relationship and trust is all part of softer skills. And that's quite critical. And the third, I would say, the, the, the important aspect is being aware of biases, which all of, the, all, all of us have, and the CFO's ability to draw out the biases and de-bias the discussion, sometimes by more established uh, practices, whether it is red team, blue team, by taking a you know, devil, devil's advocate argument, or informally being aware of the impediment these biases place. For example, in many meetings, if the CFO speaks first, then people understand where the direction is of the debate is going to go, right? So being conscious about the biases they themselves introduced in the discussion plays a big role. So obviously, softer skills are paramount to, to ensure good resource allocation. And, and um, you know, resource reallocation is not just financial capital. It's also human capital. Can you talk a little bit about some of the best practices you've seen there? Because that can be really upending to an organization to move people around from year to year. Is it more keeping a a central 
staff that can be sort of SWAT teams that go on to other projects? Like what are some of the examples that you're seeing? Yeah, I think it's first starts, Sean, with the recognition that the word resource includes both capital and talent, right? Mm -hmm. And having the CFO seat at the table and on, on talent allocation. I think what good companies do well is not only define good strategy and good granularity behind the strategy, but making sure for the top 40, 50 roles in the companies, there is a honest and rigorous debate on allocation of the right talent behind those strategic initiatives. So I think that's quite well established and good companies do that. And honestly, private equity is a good example of that where the top team really invests time and they commit to getting the right people for for the most important roles. Not every role, but the most important role. And the second is what you said about SWAT teams or cross-functional teams or ensuring that executives and middle management and every individual gets a chance to work outside of their core functional area, both as a way to expand the professional development of that individual, but also, frankly, to get the right talent in the right role for many projects, which are by definition short term. I think this is, and this is an area, by the way, where finance can play an even more active role for finance executives because there are lots of specialists in finance, Mm -hmm. but some CFOs or some finance leaders are hesitant to second their finance executives for non-finance roles. And that could be a huge boost to enhancing career development, professional development, and getting talent in the right roles, both within finance, but outside finance. Got it. Perhaps related, many organizations post-COVID are now operating in different approaches in terms of who's in the office and who's not. Functions such as finance historically have been thought of as being central HQ, always there, What impact has the evolution of remote or hybrid work had on the role of the CFO and on the role of the finance organization and specifically on the example that you were setting where a a finance exec might be seconded? Now they don't have to move, right? Yeah, I think each and every executive I talk to in finance and I speak to on average 10 to 15 CFOs every month, they all recognize that remote or hybrid or whatever you want to call it, Mm. that way of working is here to stay. Flexibility in the way we work is here to stay. Uh, And it will differ by company. It will differ by geography. It will differ by industry, right? But there is this recognition that flexibility is here to stay. So what does does that mean for finance? So what that means is there will be many roles which probably can be done anywhere in the globe. And uh, have had for many years, finance functions had a robust outsourcing or offshoring programs for many of the transactional tasks, tasks which were potentially, as you described it in the headquarters, I think there is a recognition that many of those can also be done in any part of the country or, or the globe. But how finance teams are tackling with this defining moments or processes where physical presence is actually required. So, for example, budget meetings is a, is a big part of a finance cal- calendar, and you may need a core group of finance leaders to be side by side with the business leaders in person, right? So it is around those moments, around those key processes where physical proximity is required. And there may be some finance roles 
which are going to stay very close and proximal to the business leaders and where they are where they are located and this tight interrelationship between finance and business is only getting strengthened in these times thank you ankur did anything come out of the panels that you were on that really surprised you or really got you excited for the future and many cfos on my panels talked about the future of finance mm. where the role of technology the da- the immense data at the disposable disposal of finance functions and and how automated many of the transactional tasks had become all of the four panelists uh, i was talking to all mentioned how their companies are already not only experimenting but implementing many of these technologies because that's the only way they can survive and thrive through this uncertainty uh, i think that's something which really caught my attention Ankur, there's a lot of talk about continued focus on ESG, and specifically within the S, um, this notion of diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially in the C-suite. And how do we create, you know, more opportunities to sort of walk the talk? Can you comment a little bit about how the finance function is taking that on, and the, and the CFO is taking that on? Yeah, Sean, I think a, a great and a very important question. I think in my panel, I was actually impressed. Three of the four panelists had immigrant backgrounds. Two out of four of our women. So the, it starts from the top, I would say, at the CFO yeah. level, where you are sort of in your own professional journeys. Companies are considering CFOs with diverse backgrounds so that they can really set the tone by example. And one CFO in particular mentioned that it's no longer about some corporate slogan it's how they are measured each and every day hmm. and in a, in a way that is productive so you know giving space to young upcoming diverse talent in in their in their companies a norm and the top team is evaluated based on opportunities created and diversity is not only for the good of the society but for better decision making in finance teams sure and uh, better ideas do come on the table if you involve uh, each and everybody in the debate and uh, one panelist in particular uh, mentioned that as a, as a direct result of how they include more and more diverse leaders in de- in decision making within finance teams and let's talk a little bit more about that one anchor because it's necessary but not sufficient to have a more diverse team but how do you truly engage them any tips or tricks that you can share with our listeners there Yeah I think first is role modeling right which is you have to recognize and and your teams both at the n minus level one level and even below are very astute observers of how you behave in 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 leadership meetings I think some tips and tricks which which came up in our panel and discussions were around uh making sure that the junior members of the team participate in the team meetings and uh you know and one panelist said right you know who are more introverted folks in your team and drawing them out into the right discussion and right dialogue it's very very important and then also assigning tasks in meeting so that the formal roles in the meeting are assigned to diverse members of the team so that you are inclusive in the way the meetings are run and one member said that for for many of the ceo discussions he takes a member of his team along whether is an invest investor relations discussion with external stakeholders or it is an internal team meeting he takes along one or two individuals from his team and 
tries to rotate them as much as possible to give opportunity and exposure to the diverse team members. And that's that's something I really liked, and I'm going to follow yeah. that in my own yeah. work. Absolutely. How are you seeing CEOs and CFOs make diversifying the executive bench a priority? What role are CFOs playing in that? Yeah, I think, Sean, CFOs are the most rational individuals in most organizations, and they're known for keeping their promises. You know, walking the walk starts with the CFO. So consistency in messaging, making sure you are sort of over-communicating what your objectives are in the finance team. Second, committing to those objectives to the board and audit committee chairs who are sort of responsible in driving and ensuring compliance and finance functions so that there is both awareness at the bottom, but also awareness at the top of what you're trying to do. And third is sort of professional development of all employees in finance functions, having career paths and being very systematic. You cannot outsource it to HR anymore. You have to be really engaged personally and spend meaningful time. One CFO told me he spends 30% of his time on his team, including diversity initiatives, which is quite a lot. And part of it is because of the, you know, tough times we lived in during COVID where he lost a lot of team members as a result of the challenging talent market. But some of it is because of the commitment to professional development and making sure the top team is he's getting to spend time with, with all employees in the finance function. So I think it's it requires that that amount of commitment. And last, I would say, is courage. And there mm-hmm. will be set setbacks in the journey and you may have to experiment and, and have to put people who are not yet fully prepared for the roles and being willing to power through it and coach them and, and work with them in a productive way to really be encouraging for that talent. So I think it is both commitment and courage, which is required by CFOs to, to move the needle on the diversity front. Thanks, Ankur. You mentioned also the talent market. And I think for some of the CFOs, the great resignation has hit them particularly hard, but it can also be a great opportunity. And if you can just comment on any steps that you've seen CFOs take to either build their team or to retain their team in the midst of what is a large upheaval for a lot of folks and organizations on the talent side. Yeah. Another terrific question, Sean, and one which doesn't have a silver bullet. And, uh, and many, many companies and many CFOs actually raised that in my discussion with them. And one CFO jokingly said, I've used promotion and I, I, I got promoted to retain me, right? So you can see the extent of, of, of the, 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 the talent market uh, and, and, and the impact it is having on the companies. But I think it starts with, and many companies are doing it at varying degrees, connecting the dots on purpose and making sure... Uh, finance and and even outside of finance, everybody understands what you stand for, both as an organization, organization as a, and as a leader. I think that is quite important by connecting and making sure there is a purpose and employees understand it. Because you know, there's no better retention tool than than having a set of committed employees who are committed to a purpose. So I think that's first and foremost. Second, I think there is still going to be the need to have the right career path, the right career progression, the right professional development. There is no shortcut to that. And in this time of transparency, when anybody can can sort of shop around almost for jobs and there is transparency on what's happening in the job market, I, I think ha- having that, that, 
discipline around human resource practices is quite important and, and quite critical for finance. And third, I think this is a, also an opportunity for finance teams where you can really go out and look for non-traditional backgrounds, non-traditional profiles and attract them within finance function. And, you know, one one CFO told me that he's increasingly going out and looking for folks who have industry experience but don't have finance experience and recruiting them in FP&A roles and training them for a period of time, strengthening internship programs into finance functions and getting tech and digital talent in finance because, you know, lots of automation, analytics, and, and those areas are required for finance of the future. So why not prepare for that future by at least having a part of your, of your finance uh, talent pool with those skills? So I think it's, it's an, also an opportunity to go back to the drawing board and, and really take advantage of the talent market as well. Final question, just an opportunity for you to share any other topics that came up during the CFO Summit that you wanted to share with our audience. I think the last I would say is strategy. And I think mm. this is one of the last piece. And and it did come up because companies which really thrive and survive in, in uncertainty are those which stay true to their strategy. And finance and finance role in strategy became quite quite clear, whether it is about M&A, uh, through cycle M&A or not, being prepared mm-hmm. for that. Uh, whether it is where and how to take risk, it is all all related with the strategic direction of the company, or the some of the topics we discussed on on resource reallocation and innovation. They are all related with strategy. So I think finance role as a stri- strategist and a strategy enabler is quite key and central throughout throughout the debate and discussion. Awesome, Ankur. This has been really fun. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much. And as always, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at mckinsey.com, or you can share your ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast player. Thank you to all our listeners who've already reached out and rated and reviewed our podcast. We really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. Please keep them coming. If you'd like to listen to additional episodes, we encourage you to subscribe on your podcast player where you can also access our entire library of previous episodes. You can also visit our Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page at mckinsey.com ITSR, which includes written transcripts of more than 120 past episodes. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights on strategy and corporate finance, you can sign up on our Practice Insights page on mckinsey.com SCF, follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy, or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.